And just so you know, if you touch on your computer or anything, it's very loud. I heard you clicking at some point. Yeah. That'll be the next phase is learning how to not have a thousand noises. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Here's what you can look forward to on this first episode of the Dynasty Typecast. A candid and vulnerable conversation about how to keep a live theater business alive during a pandemic. A lighthearted back and forth on how hard it can be to get over yourself and share your true self with the world. A bare bones, non-intimidating ceremony of incense. A sneak peek into the Dynasty Enchantiversity Fall Semester with professors slash comedy writers and performers Cameron Esposito, Dave Holmes, and Brent Forrester. Plus, several allusions to the hidden bunker we found when we moved into the theater that holds all the secrets of the universe. Welcome to the Dynasty Typecast. Okay, I'm recording. And I'm going to go first. <clears throat> okay, Vanessa, here's the deal. We have these five bullet points just to get through them so quick, just to give people a very quick and broad understanding of who we are, what this podcast is, what Dynasty Typecast is, and we're going to get through it. And I'm just so sure that this is going to be the take that we use. Okay, me too then, um, because I want to believe in what you believe in. <laughs> okay, so just speak from the heart. Let's just be ourselves and just But don't talk in. too much. Yes, but don't talk too much. So um, okay. Vanessa, yes. uh, bullet point number one, uh, what is Dynasty Typewriter and what would you say is its mission? Great question, Jamie. Dynasty Typewriter is a theater in Los Angeles on Wilshire Boulevard. It's beautiful. It's 100 years old. Um, we love it so much. We've been open about three years. But more than that and deeper than that, Dynasty Typewriter is a place that exists with a mission to connect people and create enchanting experiences. And um, we really do want to be a transformative space that if you walk through the door or now in these times, if you attend any of our online events or even read our newsletter, like we care about all the things and our true hope is to remind people of the absurdity of the world and to be a source of connection um, and inspiration to just remember that all these different voices matter. Life can be insane and it can also be fun and to hopefully tap into the playful side of things, but still do important things. Did I go off the rails? No, it was perfect. It was, that was okay. honestly so good. Okay. Now, Jamie, I have a question. How great. did Dynasty Typewriter begin? Another great question. Oh, I just knocked my mic. Fuck. Um, <laughs> Keep it together. You know, I, I like to think. Uh, the Dynasty Typewriter was born 15 years ago, the day that we met at Aww. a small theater in Santa Monica. Um, I had just moved back to LA from the Bay Area, got this job running this small theater called the West Side Eclectic. Uh, we put out a, an ad on Craigslist that we needed someone, an employee to help run this place. You were the first person to respond. You were the first interview. And I think we instantly just realized that there was a connection. I had I just moved to LA that week. Um, so it was, I was brand new in town and yeah, I was the second employee, second to you. And we were such fast, best friends. So truly. And just this shared sense of humor. And like you said earlier, just a love of absurdity 
and weirdness and and realness. I think uh, we just connect on being real, vulnerable human beings. So we started writing together and performing together. We wrote shows. We created characters. And for the next 15 years, you know, we did all these different things. You went to Groundlings. I went to the Hollywood Improv where I was involved for a long time. And all through it, we've just had this vision for something a little more creative and that spoke to us and our sensibilities. And so we'll definitely get into it in a future podcast about the real genesis of Dynasty Typewriter and the Hayworth building where we do our stuff. But it's a magical story, but it is not the um, quick bang, bang, bang version. Of no, the not, story. So, no, we got to save that. The space presented itself. We jumped at it. Uh, we rallied the community through Kickstarter um, and our, our personal families to make it happen. And it very quickly became a thing. We, we, we named it Dynasty Typewriter, opened the doors, and all of a sudden we had so much great talent performing on our stage. And so maybe this is a perfect uh, way to get to the next bullet point. Hey, Vanessa. I think that's a great idea. Yes. I mean, who would you say are, I don't know, the top 16, 17 um, performers that have performed at Dynasty? Well, I don't want to say top anybody because I truly believe everyone's great. We have a lot of people that maybe people don't know their names yet, but they're just as... Oh, yeah. By the way, I, I didn't mean top. That yeah, was yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, gosh. This listicle culture will be the death of all of us. But here's a little list. Ready? Um, Adam Sandler, Eddie Izzard, Hannah Gadsby, Jane Fonda, Bill Burr, Bob Odenkirk, Conan O'Brien, Maria Bamford, Craig Robinson, Hannibal Burris, Alana Glazer, John C. Riley, Christian Shaw... Kevin Pollack, Mick Kroll, Paul F. Tompkins, Lauren Lapkus, Sarah Silverman, Tig Notaro, Tim Heidecker, Zach Galifianakis, Rob Reiner, Pete Holmes, Mark Maron, Melissa Villasenor, Eric Andre, and a ton more names. Those, I mean, just even saying that, like, I hope you can hear my smile because I'm like, how is that real? I think there was a little extra smile when you said Rob Reiner. Uh, shh, don't tell. Crush much? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a rinder head. Uh, but truly, that is like so surreal that um, all those people were in the building in our first couple of years. Uh, and on purpose. Yeah, on purpose. They made plans. <laughs> they got parking. <laughs> there might be like, you know, notes or um, calendar dates on... Rob Reiner's calendar might have said, go to Dynasty Typewriter. He might have told Siri uh, oh when he my got his God. car to navigate to Dynasty Typewriter. That's nuts. She's, and she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, Jamie, I have. do you have any other big moments or anything um, that would make that list more, I don't know. Less about robust? the names. Well, no, because that's a very robust list, but we've also had a lot of other surreal things happen. Yes, well, I would say, of course, having um, you know such major talents in the space was exciting and awesome. But the first two years, you know, I would say was also marked by us learning how to run a business uh, yeah. with no real experience, growing a staff. Like, uh, we just so quickly and organically- I think building a staff, but I, we didn't grow them. <laughs> Well, I think I, maybe I like to think that, uh, you know, I imparted some knowledge and uh, um, I gave some really good speeches. You weren't there for all of them, but I would sit them down. Oh, no. Really... I mean, I guess in that way, I was imagining a lab like we grew. Oh, oh like... got it. <laughs> so, yeah, we grew uh, them in that way. We just didn't. We haven't yet created them. 
from scratch. <laughs> but we are working on various Hard technologies. At work. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it was just so cool to yeah to watch like a culture um, of really nice people. <laughs> was culture <laughs> overstepping? But... No, I thought that you were gonna say cult. And then, oh, like, no. you tried to save it by being like, culture. It's not a cult. It's a culture, which is a no. really good shirt, by the way. And, by, I mean, our plans for it being a cult, I mean, I think are, that's the five-year plan. Yeah. Yeah. And we're only at year three, so we could still say it's a culture, not a cult. And mm-hmm. then in, once we get our five-year anniversary, we can get new teas made up, new merge. It's uh, a cult. Of, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's a cult now. <laughs> we grew a series of shows called Dynasty Land, which, you know, plays into our ultimate, one of our ultimate missions of of having our own sustainable theme park, I should say. Um, But (laughs) yeah, we had this vision for, we have this beautiful theater space and we have all these rooms and the green room and the podcast studio in the back and a back alley. How do we make this the most fun multi-room party experience called Dynasty Land? And that grew to the point where we had a seance at one point with a packed house on Halloween almost a year ago. I can't believe it. Oh, it was so magical. Yeah, we just started doing these Dynasty Land events and then they grew and grew and the production value grew. And we were, it really was a dream come true. I can't wait to do them again because it gave people the opportunity to really experience like how magical the whole space is, to see little private shows in some of the rooms and to dance. And it just like, and to I do imagine- puzzles. Oh, to do puzzles if you wanted to. There's always a place for introverts at Dynasty. Um, Or puzzlers, not always the same. The Venn diagram overlaps, but it is not (laughs) conclusive. Um, But yeah, Dynasty Land events have been so special and a way to kind of combine all the things that we love at once in different little pockets. Um, Oh, and we were on Blackish, kind of. Yeah, that's one of the most surreal moments um, in our history, our short history was... You know, by the way, I just like in this world, in this life we live, you can name something Dynasty Typewriter and then all of a sudden it becomes a thing. Um, but you don't really know it's a thing until. But also, you, get... you have to say it's not a typewriter store that you named that. Right, right. And also, you don't sell typewriters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yet. We do have plans to at some point sell typewriters. Uh, but yeah, when you get um, a flurry of texts um, that from friends and family that are watching Blackish on ABC congratulating you on the your the placement of the, the words Dynasty Typewriter as an aspirational venue for the characters on the show. Hey, Junior. I'm Jasmine Smith. I run the Dynasty Typewriter. Yeah, I love your room. You guys put on some of the best comedy shows. Well, we actually need someone to run our venue during the week, so if you're available, we should talk. Thank you. I'll definitely give you a call. Great. Dad, did you just see that? We took the show to the next level, and I got a job offer. Well, when you put on a great show, people take notice. I go to work with Dynasty Typewriter. That could open so many doors. Unreal. Truly unreal. I mean, that was, I think, our silliest and most absurd. Like, I guess people have gotten over the name because we did get a lot of... uh, <laughs> a lot of advice not to name it that before we before we walked boldly into it. But th- I think that was so affirming and silly. And then we also had the um, like wild good fortune of a wonderful New York Times piece written about us. Like that was so surreal. And it was following um, Esther Pavitsky's special 
And the piece ended up having a lot to do with Dynasty. And it was, that was crazy in the New York Times. Yeah, because we're just like, we just created our, our little theater. But I, I think the most maybe beautiful, if I may say, an exciting thing is we really only tried to infuse it with, um, you know, a, a, a genuine kindness um, in how we curated and just really just interacted with everyone there. Like you said earlier, with our performers, with the talent and with our entire staff and, of course, every audience member that, that walked through the door. And how quickly just that alone connected on a, in a way that, you know, these publications wanted to write about it. So sweet and special. And always like, I, I hope that we always feel like this. First of all, I hope we get to be an open space again and gather people. But I think one of the most fun things about, you know, working with you is you and I really do just get a kick out of our dreams and we, we want to do it for no one if if i mean like not ideally obviously um but we're not we're not in it for anything other than we truly love making things and so when anyone even like gives us a hint of reciprocating that love or appreciating that love or reminding us that like oh my gosh it is a business it's it feels mm -hmm. so exciting and i love that you and i kind of have permission to to feel that like joy every time yeah, every time we pinch ourselves, it's been it's been so fun, and of course, it's been challenging as we've been trying to navigate. As I hit my microphone with my hand again, um, a literal it's hard. pandemic. You have you have big hands and such a small <laughs> mic, so it's hard. I'm glad you could plant that seed, that, <laughs> that fake news seed. <laughs> with hands like flams, mics, watch out. We gotta get you a boom. <laughs> All right, maybe for the second episode we'll boom it up. In the meantime, I'm placing oh, both of my hands. Oh, where are you placing them? I'm not gonna cut you off there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's leave that to the imagination of the listener, shall we? Bum, bum, bum. Bow, bow. That was supposed to be sexy music, but it sounded like clown curb your enthusiasm music. No, okay. just sexy to it. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Jamie. Speaking of a potential second episode, what is our mission for this podcast? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, I think it's to continue our mission, uh, the same mission that we have for Dynasty, which is creating you know magical, connective, enchanting experiences through everything we produce and make. Um, you know, we really are building a community, uh, and this is such an exciting way for us to, to start connecting to that community uh, more regularly. And so. I think also to capture, if you can't already tell, like we are um, works in progress <laughs> and, you know, we truly uh, and genuinely want to be, you know, the best people that we can be. Uh, we want to give back to the world, the planet more than ever. And so we have these big aspirations, but of course, as we all know, you know, life is a roller coaster and we have, you know, we can sometimes be our own worst enemies. So as we are growing as humans, as entrepreneurs, we want to take you on the ride and connect with you as we all just genuinely join together in a shared mission to to make the world a better place. That was really lovely. Do you agree? I think those are all the things. And it's a uh... Yeah, just have another way to connect with people, especially right now. We've wanted to do this forever. We are always waiting for the perfect time. News flash to everyone. The perfect time does not exist. Um, 
the perfect time is when you have the the feeling that you want to do something and make something and then give yourself permission to do it and to improve. Absolutely. You know what? I think we got through this opening segment. I think this was 100% the best take. Uh, I'm excited. Not that there to... were other takes. We didn't do other takes. This was the first and only take. This was a breezy conversation between friends. <laughs> Organic, breezy conversation. <laughs> Just a meeting of the minds, uh, talking about what's going on. And I got you, I said that big hand thing you wanted me to say. <laughs> yeah, thanks for getting that in. I really appreciate that. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but it felt pretty um, organic. Is this a good place to get the your uh, undersized ears in? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> oh, tiny. my headphones keep falling off. They can't, <laughs> they can't get purchased on this narrow skull. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Jamie Flam, and this is our first ever Dynasty Typewriter interstitial commercial break, where someone uh, will be telling you about all the things that are happening at Dynasty Typewriter or on the Dynasty Typewriter live stream network. And we're going to start with Monday, October 5th, Lapkus and Tompkins of the Living Dead. That's going to be a great improv show. If you like improv, if you like Paul of Tompkins, Lauren Lapkus, or just laughing so much, you're going to want to tune in. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And tomorrow night, October 6th, Steph Tolib's one-woman show. Always been fucked. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-bad word. Ugh. That's um, going to be fun, too getting a little bit in my head now to that da 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 but this is fun um and it's not 12 30 a.m and i haven't been trying to get nail this recording for the last 30 minutes at this point and get the whole podcast done because i promised i would and if i don't i'll get da 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 um yeah so yeah i'm a little bit delirious da 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 we got a bunch of shows coming up da 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 you already knew that i meant to say classes Yeah, classes are coming up. The whole next segment's dedicated to that. So just, you know, you can wait for that. You'll get all the information. But if you just can't wait, go to our website. There's information. Other things are coming up. Next week, uh, Open Mike Eagle album release party online. You're going to want to check that out. And yeah, I guess um, that's the end of this part and let's get to the next one Bye. welcome back uh we hope you liked the commercial that was in that commercial slot we know we did <laughs> so much uh oh, so gosh. vanessa i'm so mm-hmm. excited we get to announce now on the podcast that we are starting a school the oh Dynasty my gosh enchantiversity is now open for classes and you know, you can go to dynastytypewriter.com to find out more about what we're offering. But we wanted to give a little context to how this university started because, you know, it, it, it's existed well before us. Um, well before us, yeah. So let's cut to a little uh, prepackaged <laughs> thing that's been produced that'll give you a little bit more context to the Dynasty Enchantiversity. When Vanessa and I took over the theater at the end of 2017, we found a secret bunker with thousands of relics connected to the expansive universe of a family called Dynasty. We'll get deeper into that in another episode. But one thing we did find that we wanted to talk about now was a yearbook from an institution of higher education that, from our intense research, tells us has been in existence for around 12,000 years, a school called the Dynasty Enchantiversity. Here's the description as we found it in the yearbook. 
following is an excerpt from the 1926 edition of the Enchantiversity Annual, page 17. For around 12,000 years, the hallowed halls of the dynasty Enchantiversity have been dedicated to the education, inspiration, elucidation, and enchantment of all who enter. With the highest standards for all professors and staff, an emphasis on diversity and variety in both its student body and class offerings, and a cafeteria known for taking big chances on unique cuisine along with reliable comfort food classics, the Enchantiversity sets itself a cut above all of its competitors. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, we were so lucky to find that yearbook and it truly changed the trajectory of our lives. We'd wanted to put on classes before, but I mean, we couldn't come up with something like the Dynasty Enchantiversity. So we're very lucky to have inherited this history. And we hope that we can uphold those standards. I feel confident we will as we go forward with these three amazing offerings and then soon, you know, millions of offerings. We're genuinely excited. Uh, you know, our, our mission, as we discussed earlier, is, um, you know, to keep improving as, as humans. And, you know, what better way than to offer and work with some of our favorite people who inspire us and asking them to impart their knowledge on any number of topics and subjects. And so we, um, real quick, do you want to talk, tell us who our three teachers are? Well, I would call them professors because the level of education is just very, very high. I was about so to say professors too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure you were, man. Just like do it next time. Yeah, um, yeah I'll do that for sure. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, our three teachers in this round of classes, we are so... Oh, now I said teachers. Oh, see? I, I am human. I am human. <laughs> <laughs> we caught it organically. <laughs> Um, okay, so our three professors were super duper excited because honestly, we love them as people and artists and that we can have people of this caliber sharing their knowledge is really exciting. We have Cameron Esposito, we have Dave Holmes, and Brent Forrester. Um, they're all awesome inside and out and are such good teachers, truly. I mean, even when they're not teaching a class, they're all the kind of people that inspire you to be able to do what you want to do, to remember that your own individuality is like the key to success. And um, that hard work is the magic ingredient, I think. Absolutely. And so we, we actually did very quick interviews with them all last week and distilled it down into what we thought was the the most inspiring few minutes. And so <laughs> please enjoy this masterfully edited supercut featuring our three upcoming Enchantiversity professors. Mm -hmm. Who's the editor? I hear the editor has big hands. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, students. I am Professor Holmes, and I will be teaching the art of the humorous personal essay at the Enchantiversity Fall Semester. What up? It's Professor Dr. Cameron Esposito, and I'll be teaching Stand Down Comedy, a stand-up writing class at the Enchantiversity this fall semester. Hello, I am Professor Brent Forrester, and at the Enchantiversity, I will be teaching everything I know about pitching the TV pilot. 
I learned how to do what I do by doing it. Um, really, I learned to do what I do by reading, by spending a lot of time uh, while I was in a low self-esteem uh, shame spiral in college. Um, I, I spent a lot of time reading my favorite writers, uh, Paul Rudnick and Meryl Marco and, um, and, and people who had, um, had a strong voice and a strong sense of humor. And, and, and it was sort of, it was a way for me to soothe myself and numb the pain. And I always loved it. And, um, after college, I again, tried to be normal. It didn't work. Um, and then I sort of elbowed my way into some other better opportunities in television. Um, and then while I was there, I did everything I could do to learn what everyone else does. I continued to read a ton. And uh, and as my television career grew, I found that I was happier writing. So I, I kind of started a little side hustle writing and placing a few things here and there in websites and whatnot, doing TV recaps for 75 bucks. That led to a staff position at Esquire, which led to a book deal, uh, which led to me now writing all day long as my job. In terms of credits, shit, I'm a best-selling author, and I've been in giant movies and tiny indie films, and I have run my own television show and acted on network shows, and I've done stand-up for very small audiences, including a bridal shower for somebody I didn't know where I was paid in a sandwich and the largest audience I've ever played for 40,000 people. And I've done that size a couple times. Zuh. Well, in comedy, they really start after college. You know, I was never considered a funny person. I didn't even watch TV, honestly, through most of my life. My mom hated TV and wouldn't let us watch it. So all of my education in TV and comedy comes after college. Um, you know, I started writing spec scripts when I graduated and, Here's my my uh, higher education. I got in on the sitcom boom at the end of the uh, 80s, early 90s. 93 was my first job on a crap sitcom. My real education uh, in in alt comedy came as a writer on the Ben Stiller show with guys like, you know, Judd Apatow, Bob Odenkirk, uh, David Cross, Janine Garofalo. So I got my alt cred there and then did a, a three-year stint on The Simpsons under those Harvard Lampoon super geniuses. And I really kind of feel like I got my my BA in half hour there. Uh, then I went on and helped launch King of the Hill, an animated show with Mike Judge and Greg Daniels. And, you know, from there, you know, impressed Greg Daniels enough that he put me on The Office where I was a writer for seven seasons. They let me direct episodes there. And then I ran that writer's room in the final season of The Office. Since then, all I have done is run people's writer's rooms. So I run Judd Apatow's writer's rooms for like Love on Netflix or Greg Daniels writer's rooms, uh, Space Force with Steve Carell and John Malkovich. So those are my uh, those are my creds at this point. I think I got a PhD now in comedy writing. You should take my class. If you have read... David Sedaris, David Rakoff, Meryl Marco, Phoebe Robinson, Dave Barry, um, anyone who makes a living writing fun, funny, comedic essays. If you have read them and thought, I bet I could do that, you should take my class. You should also take my class if you have read David Sedaris, David Rakoff, Meryl Marco, Phoebe Robinson, and thought, I could never do that. Because you can. 
If you have a point of view in the world, you can. If you are on the Dynasty Typewriter mailing list, you understand and appreciate comedy, and you can. You have a unique perspective. Um, and I want to help you find yours. I want to help you find your voice. You should take my class if you are enormously frustrated with your artistic expression during the pandemic, current political climate. I just can't help trying to encourage you. I have so much compassion for the young artists, having been one, and I really feel like so much of what we need is just someone to believe that we can do it. And I wish I had had that person. I know that if you are taking a course in pitching the pilot, you must have something good going on. Most people don't do that. The fact that you have signed up for this class at all means you are on to something. You've seen that spark of talent in yourself. And my goal in the lecture is to fan the flames of that spark and get it raging like a fire. So if I do my work well, uh, you will come out of any teaching experience with me fired up to write. So that's my style. Analytical, but highly rah-rah encouraging. Uh, what is your favorite cafeteria food? Um, okay, so I grew up, as I said, in St. Louis, Missouri. And um, we have a local delicacy there called toasted ravioli, which is exactly as it sounds. It's ravioli that is breaded and then deep fried, and it becomes a finger food. So it's bread that is breaded and then fried in oil. Um, I like always brought my lunch to school because I'm a dork who's prepared. Um, and also so were my parents. And so everybody was very much, I was always packing my own, you know, my own lunch. This is still how I live my life. Some people are fun <laughs> and they go to school with, with nothing in their bag. And they think the world will provide an opportunity for me to purchase lunch. And those people that I went to high school with, uh, they bought a chicken hoagie. I'm going to go with tater tots. You know, there's a kind of a tater tot that you get in the cafeteria that you get nowhere else. It's it's really a melancholy food because the, the tater tots are generally, they're deep fried, they're quite hot, they almost burn your mouth, they stick together, but then the ketchup is always very cold, like it just came out of the refrigerator. Nobody ever serves food like that except the tater tot in the cafeteria, the searing hot and the kind of freezing cold. There's something just very kind of relatable about it. Uh, it's nostalgic. Everybody knows what I'm talking about who's eating a meal in public school. I'm going with the tater tots. Welcome back. We hope you loved that heartfelt commercial. I know I did. <laughs> uh, I like the beginning a lot. My favorite part was the middle. The middle really took it to the next level. And then the end kind of just Oh my gosh, I forgot about the, the gap. end. <laughs> yes, it's it was um it was just very well, well made. Hats off to the team of hardworking professionals that put that together. Mm. Um Welcome back to the Dynasty Typecast. This is our last little segment, and we're going to do something that we do a lot. Uh, not on the podcast, because it's the first episode, but a lot in our life and our professional life, too. Um, and as soon as you hear professional life, you know what's coming next. It's We're going to do an incense ceremony. A classic professional Corporate. <laughs> uh, incense ceremony, as it's been featured in blog posts by Inc., and uh, entrepreneur magazine, and in magazine. a few, um, and... you know, well-ranked articles on LinkedIn. Um, so, 
How do you mm-hmm. do an incense ceremony? You may ask good news, very easy. Um, and also doesn't have to be a, a whole lot of a thing. Basically we like to give ourselves a little structure or a little scaffolding to make sure that we sort of drop in, um, to, remembering who we want to be and who we are and try to set some intentions for ourselves as we go forward to sort of take ourselves out of autopilot mode and into be as, being as present as possible. We, uh, as you, you might have already noticed, are very heady people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live up in the brain for much of the day and week. And so as often as possible, it really is a great way to just tap back into the body and remember that ultimately we got all the control. Oh yeah. Even in a world where nothing is quite in your control. Um, so I'm going to kick us off here by lighting an incense match. We love the cones. We love the sticks, but the match is great for a ceremony. It's just a bite-sized amount. It's perfect. Um, and I'm using for those of you scent heads who just are dying to know, coconut, uh, the most mystical of all the scents. <laughs> <laughs> I think the great druid uh, would use coconut shells in the Stonehenge ceremonies. And by the Stonehenge bathrooms. <laughs> okay, so I, <laughs> I, I lit the match and then I blew it out as you are to do. And now we've got the incense wafting into the room. Uh, let's each just take an inhale. And hey, listeners, you can inhale your surroundings if you want. And Vanessa, as you inhale, as you take this moment, is there some sort of intention that you want to set for yourself for right now or for this week? I do. I would like to um, remind myself, like we talked about in this podcast, to whenever I am feeling like things are out of my control or feeling very emotional about something that is, you know, truly not a big deal to just remember that, um, the best things that have ever happened to me and ever happened to dynasty too, were not things that we meticulously planned for. They were things that came because we trusted our intuition and trusted our path. And, um, I want to keep that in the forefront of my mind of just like being present is the greatest gift and trusting that, you know, it might not look like the way anyone else is doing it, but we're doing what's right for ourselves. And there is no wrong way to do something unless you're doing something that causes people harm, which I really don't think we are. Uh, That's for the audience to decide ultimately. (laughs) Remember, take our class on stepping on nails. (laughs) Enchant diversity presents pain. Just That's kidding. a offshoot of the body science class. <laughs> I don't think that we have the body science class on here now. Oh, right. But for those of you dying to know about the cutting room floor, here's something. Jamie Flam is a professor of body science. More info? Never. <laughs> I'm definitely not in my head at all about... Uh, making a callback to something we just decided would not be making the podcast. <laughs> well, I think that that again, gosh, what a beautiful twist of fate. Our path is so <laughs> never been traveled before, never to be traveled again. Jamie, what is your intention for it this week? I'm going to make it simple. My only intention is to 
finish editing and to make sure that we release this podcast tomorrow. I love that intention. And if you're hearing this, which I sure as hell hope you are, uh, <laughs> then it happened. For but the yeah, sake of a 15-year friendship, please, God, let them be hearing it. <laughs> yeah, it's letting go. I've, I've All the, the fears, everything that's been uh, like building up for, for so long in wanting this podcast to come out and to want it to be perfect, and I have to just let go of all that. And so, come hell or high water... This will be put out and we'll take it from there because what else can we do? Exactly. Um, and thank you all for joining us or listening to us. And, you know, maybe maybe make your own little incense ceremony and decide what you want your intention to be because I know this is a time ripe with things we cannot control. But so often the things we can control are remembering to be grateful Um remembering to take the pressure off ourselves and to try to be there for the people we love ourselves very much included. That's beautiful. And, and truly uh, have a wonderful week. Go to dynastytypewriter.com is basically where for now you can find all the information about all of our classes, all of our live streams, um, all of our uh, amazing merch. Oh gosh, merch, merch, merch. And you can follow us on Instagram at Dynasty Typewriter. We're on Twitter and Facebook too. Check that out. And I think uh, write us letters. We're going to start oh, yeah. reading and we'd love to connect with you and hear what's We're gonna going on. We're going to learn to read. And gosh, we'd love for, for some of the first things we learn to read to be letters from you. <laughs> yes. So um, <laughs> small words if possible, uh, but write to us at typecast. T-Y-P-E-C-A-S-T at DynastyTypeWriter.com. <laughs> Emojis welcome. Well, there you go. Episode one, Dynasty Typecast in the books. The goal is to do this weekly, so tune in. Well, I guess that'd be next week, huh? <laughs> We hope you enjoyed. Tell your friends, check it out if you liked it, and send us your feedback. We want to make this better and better. Until then, have an absolutely enchanting life. <laughs>